0: Jay Foreman Postgame Show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar & Grill, Vinny Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and the theticketfm.com.
1: We're back here on the Post Game Show. Austin Norman and Jake Bachoven with you. Jay and Nick uh, dipped. Long day for them. They are out. So Bach and I will carry you through with the next hour and a half or two here of postgame coverage. Once again, it's Maryland 13 And Nebraska, 10. A lot of people jumping on play calling Bach, and I'm not going to lie, I'm I'm one of them. I'm right there. For the day, Nebraska runs 40 times for 183 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. Um, Leading rushers, Emmett Johnson, 17 carries for 84 yards, looking more and more comfortable by the game. Was really impressed with him. Jeff Sims, 10 carries for 33 yards. Purdy, 3 for 33. Nebraska was relatively effective in the run game, like I said, 183 yards, Nebraska could have had 220, 225 rushing yards and been even more in control of this game. But as soon as it seemed like Nebraska was finding some rhythm and got something going in the run game, it seemed like there's a first and 10 pass. Or it's it's second and and six, you know, you get a few yards, then you pass it and you're behind the sticks. Why, Why not run for another three or four? And this is where the easy thing to do is jump on Marcus Satterfield is jump on play calling, play armchair coordinator and armchair quarterback. I want to avoid doing that as much as we can, but it's more than fair to question the decision-making. Clearly Nebraska had an advantage of some sort in the run game and it proved it um, early. You know, it didn't take till the fourth quarter for Nebraska to gash Maryland on runs of seven or more yards, you know, get a couple first downs on it. Then at the end of the game, you're able to reintroduce the quarterback wrinkle. With Jeff Sims keeping a couple. With Chubba Purdy, I don't know if it was a design on his longest run, but it worked. Had a couple nice, uh, tough scrambles as well. So you're able to reintroduce that element. But from this vantage point, it just seemed like there were some really questionable decisions because Matt Rule has said it time and time again. This offense isn't good enough to get in its own way. They'll get some momentum going. They'll get rolling. They'll find a sequence that works, and then they'll go away from it. And I've said this before this year, that, you know, not being a play caller, it's an art and a science, right? The art of it is not being predictable, but sticking to what works. The science of it is, here's our advantage. Let's manipulate the crap out of it. I don't think, like, I don't think Nebraska has, Nebraska's predictable at sometimes, but not often enough to go away from the run game that was working today. Emma Johnson was rolling. He deserved more more carries than the 17 that he got. Maryland maybe caught on late, but in the first or second quarter, Emma Johnson was getting, you know, five, six yards of pop. It looked really good in the run game. The offensive line looked confident. You know, pass protection wasn't perfect, but the run blocking, I thought for the most part, was really good today, at least better than it has been. So I don't think Nebraska hammered the strength of its run game nearly enough early on, which leads to the first and goal where you decide to throw it down in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I you know, and everybody can kind of see the game a little bit differently. I don't know if Nebraska had much of an edge in the in the ground game. I mean, they were, you know, midway through the fourth quarter, they kind of got to their average, which was one eighty five, and they finished about at the same. So, uh, finished with one hundred eighty three yards. So, I thought that they were going to be able to get to two hundred today. They could have stuck to it a little bit more, but again total carries 40 uh, and pass attempts 21. So it was twice the amount of, of times that they were throwing the ball. It's just, it feels like they're throwing the ball too much when they're throwing 21 times because they're throwing to the other team of those times. We had in five, if you count one that that was taken away by a holding that wasn't related to the, the actual interception. Um, so, I mean, I, I, Emmett Johnson kind of got going there, especially in the fourth quarter. I think that made his numbers look a little bit better. That was kind of on that long 90-yard drive, whatever it was that the, the final drive that uh, that Chubba Purdy led him on. But they really only had two sustainable drives. Uh, in in otherwise, other words, it, you know, it wasn't w- working all that well. And on that other drive that Jeff Sims led, um, they did end up at least running forward on fourth and two to try mm-hmm. to get it. So again, when you're when you're kind of picking and choosing your spots to complain here. Overall, again, it, it's tough because I know there's a lot of heat on Satterfield and, and kind of feeling that maybe he blew the game with that call. Um, and, and and so, I mean, I think that call deserves to be under the microscope and I don't agree with it. It's going to get torn apart. Uh, but overall, I think it's just tough it, at all to get much out of this office. You have to remember, there's so many guys that, that got hurt that are out of this offense to begin with. But overall, even with, the, with full strength, this isn't a potent offense with playmakers left and right. Um, you know, a, a few of the passes that, that were made were, were dropped or, you know, so I mean, it, the blame kind of can go around. Um, I don't sit back and just question Satterfield for the entire game. I think I, I, I question more for that final pick, the final pick call.
1: But even the final play call, that's one that I'm more OK with than the rest, because Nebraska, you know, despite, I think, moving the ball pretty well in the run game hasn't always been able to just line it up and run straight down people's throats. Maryland had maybe started to catch on a little bit. That's why it's the perimeter runs with Chubba Purdy that moved the sticks a couple times. You have to get creative, but not overly creative in the red zone. And there's a balance there. I get it. But that final play call, if that pass was intended for Billy Kemp, it didn't have a chance. There's no way that ball was getting to Billy Kemp, yeah. which makes me wonder if that pass wasn't intended for Malachi Coleman, which then makes me wonder... Was it an off-target pass? Was it too high? Was it too far in front of him? Or did Malachi Coleman not think the ball was coming to him so he didn't run his route full speed? I thought he had a chance at that ball. And if he catches it, I think he has an opportunity to use his frame and get into the end zone. I don't want to blame players. I don't say they're not giving effort. Maybe it was a bad throw. Maybe it was a misread. I thought Malachi Coleman had a chance on that ball, and this game might look different.
2: Well, I, and I think that, again, goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is it, it might, like, they, they checked it. They checked to that play. They realized Maryland was in man, and they went to that that play. And that does it doesn't necessarily make it a bad call. Like, if you draw it up with the X's and O's, and, and maybe you want to show your faith in Malachi Coleman there. But again, what are you talking about? You're about talking about Chubba Purdy, who's third string coming into the day didn't have any significant... Uh, you know, snaps going into today. And so you're asking him to make a 90-yard drive throw to a freshman wide receiver. Um, and if not to him, then a banged up wide receiver that was all but out uh, up until last week when he wasn't returning a punts and Billy Kemp. And you're right. I mean, that that throw looked like it's just tough to tell because the, the, the pass looked like it was trying to fit it into Billy Kemp um, from the direction that it was at. Um, but that was so covered, it would that would be just a terrible play. And so it, it, it might have been underneath the Malachi Coleman, which again, if Coleman maybe ran his route or the, the ball was a little bit more on play, then it was open and they could have scored a touchdown. But there's a difference, especially with this team and the airmail passes that they have. And okay, drawing it up and, and maybe it, it, it's there, it makes sense on, on paper and actually expecting them to go through with it. And listen, you're gonna to have to make those calls. You have the personnel that you have at certain times in the game. So I don't mind that the in the second quarter and, and okay, let's just see if we can, you know, fill this thing out. It's not so much the call that's bad, it's just passing at all in that situation when this game has just been so rocky and back and forth. And they were fortunate that Maryland fumbled at their three yard line mm-hmm. to even have a chance to have the game winning field goal opportunity there. So it, it it again it's like you just you don't have to be aggressive or as aggressive or go for the win as they were putting it in that situation, the best thing to do is take the lead, be, play conservative. If it, you know, it's, 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 kind of like learning how to play the big 10 West. <laughs> that's that's how Kirk Ferentz wins all these games. <laughs> and, you know, and sometimes PJ Fleck and those, you know, those guys, it's, it's not always about being aggressive. So I, again, to me, there, it's not even so much the play call. It's the decision to pass at all. Uh, and and really be aggressive there rather than, you know, Emmett Johnson was winning really well in that drive, breaking Mm -hmm. tackles left and right, Purdy doing the same. Again, there's there's that balance between predictability, but at that point, I don't care how predictable it is because I'm just focused more on a field goal and grinding the clock out and maybe just giving them a chance on a two-minute drill. Maybe they could go down and score, but they hadn't done that all day against Nebraska, and I would rely on my my defense there with the three-point lead predictable
1: isn't what you like, but if you're good enough at what you do, it's not predictable. It's going to your strengths. Again, Nebraska did it at times, but not being able to say this is our best play, this is our best player. We know we can get three yards on this play every time, four yards on this running play every time. There's nothing Maryland can do about it unless a guy makes a, you know, all Big Ten caliber play. Hurts this team. One guy that tried to make that play was Jeff Sims on the fumble, reversing field. This to me, again, I don't put this all on Jeff Sims. Clearly, it's not. I didn't mind the the decision to have him throw the ball. He, sent, he threw some pretty good balls. Some of them looked really nice. Um, the pass to Lloyd was good. Coleman had a drop that was big. But then you get the two interceptions. The the arm punt, you know, rainbow one. I have no idea what it was he was looking at or what he was throwing. He was just even, throwing up for Coleman to make a play. But. Even if Coleman was held, that's not a a pass I want to see throw. No. It didn't look good. Not situation. No. Um, but this team... You can respect the fight. You can respect the effort. But to your point about just being conservative, you know, next play mentality, take what's available. Jeff Sims is a good athlete, but Maryland had three guys on the other side of the field ready for him when he reversed it. That's a guy that's played enough college football to know just take what's available. You know, go down, try to push the pile, use your strength instead of speed, which you're not faster than these other guys. Go down, get to the next play. Again, that's not what lost Nebraska the game, but I think that's interesting because... Matt Rule was asked about managing the quarterback situation in postgame. He said, yeah, well, Henrik Harburg was banged up. Uh, It's his ankle. We'll see how he looks through the week. Uh, Chubba did a good job on that drive. He's still fighting back from the groin. No mention of Jeff Sims. Uh, There was some talk, you know, those first couple drives for Jeff Sims. Hey, he might get the starting job back, especially if it's Harburg's ankle and he can't go. But two interceptions, one of which I have no idea why that ball was thrown, trying to do too much on the fumble it negates the good that he did in the passing game. It negates the nice runs that he had. And it's unfortunate. That's a guy that I think played better this game than he had in his previous opportunities. But again, it's overshadowed by trying to do too much and missing in the biggest moments.
2: Yeah. And it, I mean, that's just where Nebraska's at. You're looking at moving forward, you know, who's going to start at quarterback and get Matt will said he, he doesn't really know. They're going to have guys, a guy take the first team staffs snaps and somebody take the second team snaps. But as far as who that is, he doesn't know. Um, that's just kind of the curse of where Nebraska is, and, and and you know you you're looking at Husker reaction all over online. It's again talk about what would Nebraska do with Casey Thompson or what are they going to do this offseason. I mean, it's kind of just it's kind of obvious out there. You you do wonder if they did whether it was keep Casey Thompson or get a a, a quarterback that came in here took the starting job. And, and and played even mediocre. And, you know mm-hmm. that's that's all he would be looking for here. Where would Nebraska be? Uh, because they've done a good job. I think you know the losses are are piling up. You know Nebraska five hundred at this point, and people are getting frustrated. But there are there are good things to see through here. I mean two two straight games, only one penalty it really hurt them. But it was a, we just I mean that's. That's tough to do. I mean, the mm-hmm. defense obviously is playing at a great level. So there, and we'll get to that. There, there are a lot of positives uh, still for this team and still a lot of opportunities here the next couple of games uh, to make a successful season. Uh, but the quarterback room is, I mean, that's going to be the story of this year, even in rewind. We're just kind of having to go through it, is that there's not really a great option. Not if you want to pass the ball. And running the ball, you know, you've just had too many turnovers from these two guys to see to, to see Purdy even get the chance out there um was a bit surprising but a b- bit relieving because it's because at, at some point you're just like i don't think he could be worse you mm-hmm. know what i mean like it you know and he came out and, and putting pretty good drive together so i'm interested to see what that looks like moving forward um but yeah jeff Sims is just it you just don't i mean he could have a player too that impresses you but I don't ex- like at four or five plays a road, and then whether he's passing or running, it you just expect a turnover at some point. And I just don't know. Even as your backup, it's just game after game, it's opportunity after opportunity. I thought that that maybe that last you know that game a couple of weeks ago might have been his last opportunity. We got another mm-hmm. one now, and you you come coming out the other side with three turnovers again. It, it I don't know if you can put him in next week. So if my if my guess about who's you know one and two, if Harburg is healthy enough is that he would probably be the start, but I I might see Purdy jump Sims here as the number two quarterback this week.
1: We haven't seen a lot of improvement from Harburg in season. The issues that were the issues when he started are still the issues now. Some of that maybe requires an offseason, but fixing an arm angle, not dropping it, and missing the same throw to your tight end you know, three weeks in a row, essentially, can't happen. If you're going to run the option game and not know how to attack the defender and make the pitch, that can't happen. Trying to do... Too much. Nope. Maybe pocket presence is something you have to work on in the offseason. Sure, I'll give him that. But Heiner Karberg has proven he's a backup at this point. Teams have caught on to him. You know, the the game is up. They know what he is. Maybe he can find a way to be successful. Jeff Sims, I'm with you, has had every opportunity in the world. Um, and Chuba Purdy as well. I mean, out of nowhere. The calls for him, I didn't really expect him to go in the game. He gets his shot and he he almost does the thing. He almost leads Nebraska 90-plus yards down the field for what would have been one of the greatest Nebraska redemption arcs in stories in recent memory. But with all three of those guys, there's not that it. There's not that, that gamer factor when it's tight, when it comes down to business. So then the question is, how did it get this bad? That there's not one guy on the roster who can consistently play quarterback at the Division I level. Not one guy. That can avoid the backbreaking mistake in a key moment or not even get to that key moment in the first place because you didn't have a mistake earlier on. How is there not one guy Nebraska can turn to? It's just frustrating, you know, as a fan because how many other, you know, places in the country have at least one quarterback they can depend on? And my heart breaks for this quarterback room. I mean, think about this Jeff Sims, all the athletic talent in the world, maybe needed some coaching and development. Had a chance at Nebraska with all the gifts, all the eyeballs in the world on him, world at his fingertips. Tough luck as teams are, you know, the team is trying to gel early on. A lot gets pinned on him. Matt Rule says it's not all his fault, which is true. You know, quarterbacks get a lot of blame and get a lot of credit both ways. But for Jeff Sims, what a what a story it would have been to come back from that benching, take advantage of his opportunity, look really good, lead Nebraska to a win over Maryland, get bowl eligible. Would it have? Atone for everything, no, but it would have been neat. Chubba Purdy, same thing. You were QB2, you're hurt. You're not looking like the guy that they brought in last year to learn behind Casey Thompson. You get a shot basically out of nowhere because the other two guys haven't seized the job. You do everything except finish the drive. You check out of a play call that your coaches gave you, which again, just take what's there. Don't try to do too much. Just, Just do enough. And then the interception we talked about in Heinrich Harburg. Think about that, being the home state kid a few hours down the road in Kearney to to be written off last year, to, to not really, you know, get a lot of attention from the coaching staff, to get praise from this coaching staff, to come in as the number three, elevate to number two because of injury. He had the chance to seize this job and run with it, but not one of these guys has taken full advantage of the opportunity to say this is my job. I am a division one starting quarterback. My team can depend on me. It sucks to say everyone's had an opportunity and it's mind-blowing that not one of them has taken advantage.
2: Yeah, I mean, Nebraska would just, I mean, you wonder where they would be with just a game manager. You don't need somebody that can sling the ball down the field. You do, you know, with this offense, teams are now prepared to stop the quarterback run, to stop the run. So, I mean, they they to their credit, that is kind of what they bring to the table and it has helped, especially in Harburg's case. Uh, to get to some wins, well, only in Harburg's case, I suppose, but <laughs> right. uh, to get some wins. So mean you know, while their passing games are a big part of the quarterback play, and they they are lacking, um, you do kind of got to remember they do have some strengths that they bring to the table. But um, and so that's why that's where you kind of have to kind of find a nice landing spot where if you just had a, a game manager that could, you know, maybe he's not, uh, you know, as big as these guys and take mm-hmm. as many hits, but could just provide a little bit in the run game, and then you rely more on your traditional run game, which at times can be difficult for Nebraska to do. But again, you're t- you're, often, you're talking about an offense that I don't even know what their average is at. They average, what, 19-something coming into the game, probably down to, say, 17, 18-something points per game um, after this game, um, you know? And so it, it is really just kind of a game management. I mean, they, they had... Uh, a few drives again today, but their their scoring drives came off Maryland mistakes. Mm-hmm. I think they had a total of thirty eight yards on their two scoring drives. Um, so it, it's just with this defense stepping up time and time again uh, throughout the season. That's why I t- to me you just. You got to get to a point and I I I've been to the point that your 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 strength is not passing the ball. That's very clear. You got to run more with the quarterbacks and I think they did a little bit more of that today, but I think the next step for this offense as it accepts who it is is to accept field goals rather than trying to force touchdowns, which it can be frustrating, but again, that field goal could have made the difference. You lose by a field goal now. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, either of those choices, the field goal at the end, the field goal at the first half, those you're in a different ball game there, and that's that's how you're going to win. You, you know, you don't need to score three touchdowns a game as, as you know as much as that would almost. uh, shouldn't be a big ask anyway. Shouldn't be a big ask and would probably get you the win in the final games against Wisconsin and Iowa. It's it's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more you know easy said than done. A lot more difficult to do out there on the field. But I think that that's what the, the coaches have to do and, and, and the offense has to do is play a little bit more conservative, make sure you get three points here and there, um, and try to come out and win a game you know, 16-9 to nine or whatever it might be. But it's uh, it's frustrating because I think the Minnesota game could have been won by decisions just to kick some field goals. The same
1: thing here today. A question I did not expect comes from Drumstick. He's on the uh, Sarder-Haman text line 402-464-5685. Uh, you can also comment on our starter Heyman Jewelers live video streams, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. But Drumstick asks, does Zane Flores win us this game? He should have been a Husker. <laughs> really? That's the direction you're going to go? Zane Flores? Like, yeah. I liked him more than I liked Tyner Harburg as a as a prep quarterback, but I don't think Zane's ready right now. I don't think he comes in and does. It. I don't think Daniel Kalen wins this game for Nebraska. It doesn't matter who Nebraska's quarterback is. Any three, any one of the three that played today, had every opportunity to win this game for Nebraska. Each one of the three got Nebraska close to winning this game, but it's one, maybe two key mistakes from any one of them that you can you can take off the board. We talked about this a little bit with basketball too, Bach, with the turnovers. Nebraska basketball had eighteen against um Florida AM. They ended up winning the game. You did the math, two point seven turnovers per game now for Nebraska through ten. What if Nebraska had Six or seven more offensive plays per game. Even that. Even if you you know you you avoid an interception, you go two more plays and you have to punt. Well, that's the other team starting on their twenty-yard line, their fifteen-yard line instead of their forty or or you know your side of the field. Each one of these turnovers is a missed opportunity, obviously for points. But if this offense isn't going to put points on the board, it's a missed opportunity to, like you said, Iowa the crap out of it, flip field, give your defense a chance. To make a play, you get the ball at midfield. It takes a little bit off your offense's plate, but for as many of these turnovers that happen at the end of promising drives, uh, where, where field goals are an option to take off the board, so many also happen at the same time early in drives where Nebraska doesn't even get going, and get off the ground, and puts the defense in a bad position. We saw both of those today.
2: Yeah, it is frustrating because that's what the 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 keys to the game now. If you go into it, and you're a uh, you know, prognosticator is no longer. You know, usually it's just easy any football game. One of the keys of game turnover battle. Nebraska is just so bad at it. Uh, nation leading in fumbles. Nation leading in turnovers. And it's like okay. Don't lose the turnover battle by more than two. You know, like where where are the what your point? And, and I was thinking the same thing. Where are your turnovers coming from? Mm-hmm. Is that what in the nation's worst red zone offenses? Who does, because these turnovers keep popping up? Is it you know on the other side of the field where you give such a short field to min, you know your opponent? Uh, it it, it's, it 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 it's just crazy that that's at the point. It's, and I. I I feel that way, like talking about these games throughout the week, you know, you want to be able to just bring it up and say, well, maybe they can win one of these turnover games, and it's, it's when you say that, you don't even believe it. You're like, that's part of this team is to overcome the few times a game, because if they run as many plays as you need to in a a football game, you just can't see this personnel, this offense not coughing the ball up or throwing interceptions. Um, To their credit, I guess just one Fumbled today. They made up for it in interceptions and uh and give the defense some credit because Maryland uh had three turnovers. Javin Wright played a heck of a game and got an interception. Uh, big fumble there near the goal line to set up the Chubba Purdy drive. And so you sometimes you don't get that. The Michigan State game, you didn't get that. That's what mm-hmm. probably made lost them that game, unfairly to say that, because the defense also, you know, is keeping them in these games. But um that at least gave Nebraska a chance today. But you know, you if you're averaging two point seven in You nearly double that today with five, and you only lose by three. Again, it's it's easy enough for anybody to see, but turnovers are the the biggest Achilles heel of this team. If this team was losing
1: by three or four possessions with five turnovers, it's, ah, take care of the ball, and we'll see what happens. But, man, if you lose by one possession this many times with this many turnovers, that eats at you more and more and more because of just how many opportunities you had to change one possession. That's all it takes. You didn't need to change two or three possessions. You just needed to change the outcome of one possession, and this is a completely different ballgame. He's Bach. I'm Austin. We've got Ben on the board. We're going to step aside here on the uh, Jay Foreman postgame show. No Jay Foreman, though, so it's the Austin and Bach postgame show, I guess. Uh, we'll keep talking about this. Don't forget, you can still send in your thoughts, 402-464-5685, or on any of our Sarder Jewelers live video streams. We'll keep talking about Nebraska's loss to Maryland here in just a couple minutes.
2: It's more than a place, it's a feeling. This is Eric Bertrand with Lincoln Federal Savings Bank. If you're looking for a place to call home, call me. Let's review your financing options and get you into the home of your dreams. Proudly serving Husker fans.
0: Personal banking like you remember.
2: Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Great news. I just got the State Farm personal price plan on our home and auto insurance. You told our agent about my thing for romance novels? No, you don't have to get that personal. Our agent just helped me choose affordable options to create a personalized price just for us.
3: Oh, sweet. Then
2: you won't believe the love triangle Jen is in now. Call your local State Farm agent, Vinny Krikak, at 402-474-1173. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary.
3: Is your backyard ready for fun with friends and family this fall? GE Landscape Supply has pavers and boulders, which are a great accent for any landscaping project. And you can find them at 6701 Cornusker Highway. GE Landscape Supply sells to homeowners and contractors with a vast selection of landscaping and construction materials. And don't forget, They deliver anywhere, nearby or far away. Stop by at 6701 Cornhusker Highway from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday to Friday. Go to gelandscapesupply.com for more info or call 402-467-1627. Winter is fast approaching. Have you winterized your sprinklers yet? If not, get it scheduled as soon as possible with Penner Sprinkler and Lawn before damage occurs that could turn an unfortunate winter into a rough spring ahead for your system. Plus, they are already scheduling installs for sprinkler systems for next year and all other lawn care needs. Call Penner Sprinkler and Lawn today at 402-413-1215. That's 402-413-1215. Penner Sprinkler and Lawn.
2: Ready to make this season unforgettable? Celebrate with Liberty First Credit Union's low-rate debt consolidation loan. Combine all those bills into one affordable monthly payment
1: with quick access to funds. Imagine all the extra cash for holiday shopping sprees, festive
2: parties, or that well-deserved vacation. Stop by any of their branches or visit libertyfirstcu.com to find out more about their low-rate debt consolidation loan. Make this holiday season one to remember and celebrate with Liberty First Credit Union, banking with purpose.
3: Nutrition Authority invites you to try Attack, which is an exciting pre-workout for athletes and gym enthusiasts who want the most out of their workouts. Attack can only be found at Nutrition Authority. Remember when you want results, the solution is simple. Nutrition Authority. Stop in or check us out at mynutritionauthority.com.
0: When you were a kid, Clubs were cool. Robotics club or space club and stuff like that. But what do adults get? Book clubs and quilting clubs? Nah, forget that. How about a margarita club? Get to Upside Bar and Lounge and join the best club in town. Ten flavors of margaritas like Maui Wowie, Burnt Pineapple, and Mango Tango. Try all ten of them and receive your own souvenir margarita glass. Make it your new Monday night tradition. $4 margaritas and $4 taco baskets. Grab the crew and head on over Monday nights or any night. Upside Bar and Lounge at 29th and Pine Lake.
3: Are you looking to upgrade or improve the garage door on your home? This is Cameron Hall of Doors Plus. At Doors Plus, we guarantee to offer a wide selection of options from five leading garage door manufacturers as we deliver a free estimate, exact measurements, and rapid installation with a three to five week time frame. When you choose Doors Plus for your residential garage door needs, you'll work with our experienced technicians and be ensured that your new door seamlessly complements your home.
0: Jay Foreman, Postgame Show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill, Vinny Krikak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and
1: theticketfm.com. 13-10 Maryland beats Nebraska. The Terps are bull eligible. The Huskers are still searching for that sixth win. Austin Norman, Jake Bachoven, with you here on the Ticket's postgame coverage of the fallout from Nebraska and Maryland. Let's go to the text line here, Bach. We've got uh, Craig who asks, uh, what are your thoughts if Heinrich Harburg can't play next week? All the reports were that he was moving around on the sideline, but it didn't necessarily look great. An ankle for a mobile quarterback is not not a part that you want hurt. If, it's, if it if it heals, maybe Harburg's your guy in Camp Randall, but hypothetically, let's say the ankle's too much. Uh, again, Jeff Sims had the ankle injury earlier in the year. Let's say Heinrich Harburg isn't uh, at, at full go, which way do you
2: turn? I think Chubba Purdy showed you enough on that spark of the drive that I would probably lean toward him again. I'm, I'm just, I'm at the point with Jeff Sims that I I just can't do it. I mean, he's, he's had three turnovers again today. Didn't start. Um, so, you know, didn't play a full game well, was about two quarters. Um, the guy's just too turnover prone and you know, you had three or five fumble or three or five turnovers today from him. Um, this is this is the time to i mean the wisconsin game is wisconsin looks gettable obviously tanner mordecai i mean they're out without their starting quarterback i'm assuming for another week because they're not putting points on the board against northwestern um and and they're and they're in a tough spot too so again it's one of those things where it's like okay well, you're gonna have a few turnovers in the game but let's limit how many turnovers those can be i would i would i would put a lot of. Uh, a lot of it on, on, on getting Chubba Purdy there. I mean, he can scramble. We've seen that before. Um, you're not Again, you're not going to be asking for him to go out and score 30 points in the Wisconsin game. It's just limit the turnovers and move the ball when you can. I think there's just enough there for that. And they, they believe it, too. They said before the season they thought with uh, Harburg and Purdy that they could win Big Ten games with him. Um, I'm just, I'm not, I don't know if you can with Sims. All of Nebraska's quarterbacks are some
1: combination of, like, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston to some degree more mobile than both of those guys. Nebraska just needs like a a Blaine Gabbard or a, a Chase Daniel or Gardner Minshew, someone like that, that isn't going to, you know, yeah, sure. They'll have their poor performances. Gardner Minshew's more than known for some of the bad performances as well as some of the good ones. Um, but Fitzpatrick, so up and down, right? Some absolutely stellar performances, some, you know, four interception performance. The same with James Winston, all the physical tools in the world, pretty good processing, maybe overconfident at times. And you want to, you know, respect guys trying to make plays, going out there, giving it their all and trying to make something happen. But at the quarterback position, some of that, that it factor such as it is, is that steadying presence to not make the rest of the team feel like they have to gamble and make a play to so just be calm. Like, Hey, it's okay that this play didn't work. We have another opportunity. Hey, that's on me, that's on my bat, I forced a throw, it slipped, we got the next one. I'm not going to say Nebraska's quarterbacks aren't leaders and they're not trying to say that to their guys on the sideline, but their play says differently. There's no steadiness in this Nebraska offense right now. It's so, so boom or bust. There's no consistency in terms of sustaining drives. Put it on the players, put it on the coaches, whatever it is. I think having a dependable quarterback, a, you know, Dependable in a positive way, right? We can depend on Nebraska's quarterbacks to turn the ball over right now, but a, a a I don't even want to say game manager, but just a a next play mentality sort of guy, a make the next right play kind of guy, I think would go a long way in just raising the floor of this offense.
2: Well, it, it, you know you have to trust the, the the coach's eyes as far as like if 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 at practice Jeff Sims and Harburg just looked that much better than Purdy. Um, you know, that's why they're in the position that they are, but you know, there is such thing as a gamer and I don't think jump is that because we've <laughs> seen him in the games before. Um, but I, I just think you're at the, the point of like, you know, you, you put him out there, he led a pretty good drive. I think you put him in a bad position. He made a bad throw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's going to do that too. Again, he's third on the depth chart for a reason, but give, give him a shot to prove that maybe he could go through a game with only two turnovers. I mean that's what that's all <laughs> right. you're asking for, and I I don't I just again I, I can't reiterate enough I'm not I don't believe Sims could do that I I don't think that with your bowl season on the line you know thin thin margin for error that he's the guy and I I really don't think he has it like you're saying just kind of this idea of time and score and possession and, and time of the game and all that stuff because that was kind of the the floater that he threw up to Malachi Coleman that got picked off in the end zone just like. Not now. You know, there's a time for a, a jump ball with Malachi mm-hmm. Coleman. It wasn't then. Uh, you know, you, you, you need to get some points there. Even if you're, and I don't think he was heavily pressured, but take a sack or scramble, whatever it may be. I I, I just watched him throughout the year. I don't think he has it. Um, and I don't know if anybody on that, on that roster has it, but because the other guys have proven to me that they don't, that maybe Purdy is mm-hmm. is worth a shot because you know, you have to remember too. He did come into the year without, if there wasn't an injury, maybe he'd be your 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 second quarterback, and or uh, has been described as the the throwing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's time to give it an opportunity. Um, if Harburg is is down again, I just I I don't know. At, at a certain point, you can't put Sims in. You just can't do it. And I I think you're pretty close to that point. Um, obviously, if injuries force you to do it, you're going to have to. But I can't see any way Jeff Sims, even with Harburg hurt. I just, I can't see Sims starting that game.
1: We'll get back to that point in just a sec here. Jesse on the text line uh, said he just started listening. Thanks for tuning in here, Jesse. Um, uh, he said, from the stands, it looked like Malachi Coleman stopped on his route on Purdy's interception that could have been a touchdown. Yes, I think from a certain point of view, that that looked like the case. I said, maybe that's the case. It looked to me like he broke his route off in real time but I don't know if he did that because that ball wasn't intended for him and it was just left short for Billy Kemp, or if he wasn't expecting the ball, thinking it was designed for Billy Kemp. Um, maybe it was a throw intended for Coleman that was, was high and out of his reach. Maybe it was too <laughs> far in front wasn't of him. Intended for him. Right. right. So yeah. I think I'm going to chalk that one up to miscommunication. But again, that's a, a guy that where I just get done saying, and, and you know, if you want to say I'm a hypocrite for this, I just get done saying guys don't, shouldn't go out there and try to be the hero, try to make the play. But that ball looked like Malachi Coleman had a chance at it. You know, maybe it's intended for Billy Kemp, but there are two guys on there. I don't think that ball gets through. It's a big ask for a freshman to read the defense and kind of know what's going on behind him. But again, to have that field sense like, hey, I'm going to try to get this ball. I'm going to give everything I have, put my my 6'4 frame, my stupendous leaping ability and athleticism to the test, do everything I can to come down with this ball and then try to plow a guy over on my way to the goal line. I don't want to say he gave up on it. I think it was miscommunication or a bad enough throw. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt there. I just wonder if he finishes that route at 100% if things aren't different.
2: Yeah, and I think we'll learn more about that throughout the week because, again, that's going to be brought up time and time and diagnosed and re diagnosed. And, and really, you know, when to get to the bottom of what that is, I can't see him again, like you're saying, like, you know, that was game on the line. I don't think he's just breaking off his route. I mean, it was a quick route, so mm-hmm. it's not like you know, it's just like ah, it's not going to come to me or whatever. You know, I I don't think he was just like purposely breaking off his route. I think that he may have thought it was going to 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 Kim because mm-hmm. whether it was an errant throw that was was aimed toward him, uh, but it looked like it was kind of like trying to fit it into Kim to, to me as well. And, and maybe there was some room underneath if it would have been a good throw um, to him that I think he mm-hmm. would have scored. But again, to me, again, it's not so much the play call everything that goes into it. It's just the time of the game, the decision to go Mm -hmm. to the air with these, with all, again, all your factors. There are Trevor Purdy who just came in for his first action, freshman wide receiver, Malachi Coleman, and a big receiver, Billy Kemp. So it just didn't make any sense to me to try it. Even if you draw it up and it's there. All right. So Stan and Bennett,
1: let's, let's talk through your question. Who is the number four quarterback? Heaven willing. We don't find out. (laughs) But the problem is we feel like we're on the precipice of that. I believe it would be Jack Wosh, who went to high school at IMG Academy and transferred in from Ole Miss. If it's not him, it would be a fellow by the name of Luke Longville. We don't know. I personally hope we never see it. That'd be very sickos committee, Big Ten West, how Nebraska could this year possibly get if we see either one of these two guys. Heck, maybe it's Josh Fleek's. He's been with Matt Rule all the way around. He, he uh, left the game injured today, so hope that he's uh, all right and doesn't show up on the injury report next week. But the fact that we even have to
2: to talk about QB four and it's not related to injury—that's a problem. Well, I mean, they've they've experimented with the option obviously this year. You almost get to the point. Remember when Nebraska uh, was just running a bunch of Wildcat with uh, with Rex Burkhead because they just kind of gave up on their passing game there uh, throughout the early portion of his career. Um, I don't know if that would be a bad idea. <laughs> I mean, it's some more wildcat. Maybe that sort of thing. I mean, it's not a good idea. It's it's, <laughs> it's not ideal, um, but it, it maybe kind of gets one of your, your running. But I mean, I think that's what they kind of already have with some of their, their play calls that, you know, obviously quarterback powers and um, you can kind of substitute, maybe they're not running backs, but, and, and Jeff Sims for being big bodied guys. So I don't know much how, how much it would help, you know, have Evan Johnson do it or whoever do that instead. Um, but it's, it is, it is to that point. And, and, and it, but it, it also is, you know, as much as you don't want to see it, I kind of do because I want to <laughs> see somebody that can go out there and have two or less turnovers a game. That's all I'm, all I'm asking for. And to get 17, 20 points out of your offense. And, hey, maybe QB4
1: would force the offensive coordinator to run the ball more.
2: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I doubt it.
1: Bryce, <laughs> Bryce might have the line of the day. It doesn't look like it matters if it's Billy Kemp or Billy Eilish lining up at receiver for Nebraska. <laughs> <sighs> we haven't talked enough about that wide receiver room. I mean, we have at times, but <sighs> lacking a big play, consistency. Got, like, a guy that you know is going to take the top off of defense consistently. I don't know if that's a skill issue, a talent issue, a physical ability issue, or again, are they being put in the right position to succeed? I don't, I don't know. I think that's it's some of everything. And that, that encompasses my thoughts on this offense as a whole. And don't worry, we will talk about the defense. I think we spent a lot of time on the offense once we hit 5 o'clock. I've got thoughts on the defense too. But nobody on the offense is good enough. Not any of the quarterbacks. Anthony Grant you wish would have been able to step into RB1 role he didn't so credit Emmett Johnson I think for stepping up. Fedoni wasn't a huge factor today. Borgature isn't what I thought we could have expected from him at the beginning of the year. Wide receivers decimated by injuries but again not one of those young guys has, you know, taken the reins of their position and said, "Yep, I'm here. Throw me the ball. I'm open all the time. I find a way to get there." And the play calling. You know, it all works together that even if you think Nebraska has enough talented pieces, I don't know if I would agree with that statement, but even if you think Nebraska has enough to work with at quarterback, enough at running back, enough at tight end receiver, not to mention the line, it just feels like Nebraska is less than the sum of its parts. There's no way Nebraska should be averaging fewer than 20 points a game, even in an era of college football where there are more and more older guys because of the COVID eligibility. Averaging...
2: Fewer than 20 points a game? How is that possible? <laughs> well, and, and to, to that, too, I think today, like it, it also surprises me with an offense that struggles so much in the passing game, um, has to rely a lot on the quarterback run in, in, in the traditional running game that they don't get the tight ends more involved. Uh, once again, today, Thomas Pannoni just won reception for nine yards. I know they targeted him another time, but uh, Borkinger's been invisible. It's nice to see him on the special teams get a run. Uh, and conversion on a fake punt. But I think with the, those two guys, I would just feel like that would be, you know, <laughs> if you're going to go to the air, kind of a safe passing situation to go underneath to uh, and just try to, to muscle up and win those battles uh, rather than, you know, hoping to get open, you know, with your legs, which they just, don't, again, they're either too young or they don't have the dynamic playmakers that wide receiver to do that. Um, so again, I, I think that's another takeaway from today is just, Where's, where's the tight end involvement? Now, I do think mm-hmm. that they did finally involve their running backs in the passing game, which they hadn't been doing all season long either. Again, for a passing game that struggles so much, not to, to target running backs out of the backfield or, or you know, tight ends on short routes uh, mm-hmm. is kind of puzzling. Um, so at least they got the running backs involved today. Even if the running
1: back uh, swing passes weren't all that explosive, they at least gave a different look. They at least tried something new, and I can respect that. We'll finish this segment. Actually, we'll finish this hour with a couple texts from a man named Ashley. A couple good things to think about. We'll throw it to break. We'll wrap up uh, this hour of postgame, but don't worry. We've got another hour coming your way here in just a little bit. Jay Foreman Postgame Show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar & Grill,
0: Vinny Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: Wrapping up uh, our first hour of the Bach and Austin show here. I'm Austin. He's Bach. We go to the text line. Uh, A man named Ashley sent a couple interesting things. Um, First of all, yes, there are plenty of quarterbacks in Division I football who could have won this game for Nebraska. Plenty of them could have won last week. Plenty of them could have won Minnesota. This not on the roster. And, of course, you have to factor in the rest of the roster and play calling and whatever around that. So we've had that discussion. But I want to throw this out there, Bach. His second... Tech says, I'm wondering if we lose receivers. If I'm a young receiver, I might be thinking transfer portal because the quarterback can't get the ball to me. There are two sides to that argument. Number one is the receivers don't trust their quarterback, so they leave. The flip side and maybe the scarier option is transfer portal quarterbacks look at Nebraska skill positions and say, hey, they don't have enough guys I'm confident in there. I ain't coming.
2: Yeah, I mean I I I wouldn't get too worried about it yet. I mean because the, these are young guys getting reps and you know they're probably pretty excited at least just for that opportunity. Um but certainly I mean in this day and age you can see out of any room a mass transfer uh for whatever reason. I mean it, it college football is just roster management's crazy. So I'm not I wouldn't rule it out. Um but you know those sort of things guys want to compete. Guys want a chance to 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 play at at, at this level. Uh, and, and actually be able to play. So, I mean, you know, I, I kind of thought the same thing when Casey Thompson transferred in last year. It's was like, if I watch that offensive line, I don't know if, I'd, if I'm if a standstill quarterback if I'd transfer in. You know, you were able to get a Casey. So, I mean, I, I think it'll play itself out, um, but I, I don't... <laughs> You know, it, it kind of just is what it is. There's not going to be the top end wide receivers aren't going to want to come here, regardless, because you don't have mm-hmm. a passing game. You know, the, or you the recruiter can, to get them here, right? I mean, so and, or the philosophy—they're not. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily what they want to do long term either. So there's going to be other reasons for wide receivers to kind of look around if they want to. Um, But I mean, this passing game—you're you're, you're talking about the Big Ten West. If you're competing with those group of groups of teams. You know, Maryland's the outlier in this conference. There's a lot of passing games that, although... We got some happy folks. I don't know, yeah. Are they they Terps fans? Let's drink a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But uh, (laughs) there's a lot of passing games that don't look, you know, while not quite as abysmal, not a whole lot better than Nebraska's uh, playing at the Big Ten level. That's just it. Uh, Bryce, again, still has the comment
1: of the night, said it looks like it doesn't matter if it's Billy Kemp or Billy Eilish out there for Nebraska's wide receivers. The results might be the same. But he asks this, is there a competent quarterback in the Nebraska locker room. The frustrating part is that each of the three guys that played today have moments of overwhelming competence, have drives that look like, hey, let's just do that again. Let's just do that again. Competency is harder than you would think to find, you know, for for this Nebraska quarterback room. But there are there are moments of their flashes. You're like, hey, maybe this is it. Maybe they get it. Maybe they know what the script is now they can stick to it. But those those moments and those competent drives. Are either solid at the very end, or they're undone the next drive.
2: Well, it, it, too. I mean, it's all about adjustments that teams are making once they see what you do well. They're going to try to take that away and, and try to make you do something a little bit different. Um, and then, you know, it's just like game to game performance or game to game victories. Uh, You know, sometimes I think we, you know, like today, Maryland beat Nebraska, therefore Maryland's better than Nebraska. Well, we saw it. I mean, it could have came down to to any sort of plays there at times. So just because Harburg does this once means Harburg can do that and will do that consistently is not necessarily the case or any of those quarterbacks. So, um, you know, I do think that there is something to kind of play to your own strengths. Maybe you're asking them to do too much uh, at times, but you're not asking a whole lot altogether so it, it's kind of can tough, but be tough, but maybe you know break it down. We, we've heard about a simplified offense with Harbaugh came in as opposed to Sims, and maybe was that fair to Sims to compare it along with the the uh, opposition he was getting in the non-con. Um, but I think with any of these guys, you need a simplified offense. I don't, I, I, I just you don't, you can't be asking too much. You know, the the drop back, sit back, read. Where's you know, where's your third guy? We're third read on this play. They they're just not there. Um, and a lot of this is just on, on the fly. Obviously, I mean, I these guys they've done a good job, kind of the old Osborne uh, technique of having your second, third string get get reps out there, and you know, in, in the practice before the season, and then a little bit in season as well to to prepare guys. Um, but ultimately, they did not expect this role for Harburg, therefore he was not probably as prepared for it as you would want it to be. Obviously, the same thing for Purdy. And Jeff Sims can't get out of his own way for long enough to really test it. So um, I don't know. Again, to me, I go I go away from. Well, maybe we can. This could be the game that we score thirty seven, and let's try all these different things to do that. I would embrace. This is a defensive team. We're gonna kick field goals. I was up six to nothing on Rutgers in the, near the end of the third quarter. I don't think it's quite that, but it's pretty much that. Yeah, um, uh, you know, and. and try to get touchdowns when you can, but don't go outside of yourself to do so except like accepting field goals. It's, it's hard to do. It's, it's not even what you want to ask of your team because you want to be able to take advantage of the opportunities you can. You know, these are close games anyway, that four point as a touchdown compared to a field goal uh, could do the same thing. But I, I think you've lost a few games by your hesitancy not to take field goals. Well, aggression
1: looks different on a team to team basis, right? It's not, you know, Oh, you ran, so you're passive. Right, Call your best run plays. Call your creative run plays. Not going to lie, didn't love the fullback end around to Janarin no. Bonner, but it worked. You know, it caught Maryland off guard. He made a nice move, trusted your athlete to make the move he got in the end zone. If that's what it takes, that's what it takes. It wasn't just, oh, we're going to try to plow straight ahead that wasn't you know consistently successful, hasn't been with, with this offensive line. But again, I go back to what we started the show with was there's that line between predictability and sticking to your guns. There's that line between Stubbornness and commitment to to something like that, and again, it's part of the the art versus the the science of play calling. We'll wrap up the hour with this. Jesse on the text line shoots a shot. He's putting he's putting his money down. Okay. On 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 red thirteen. Jalen Daniels of Kansas will play for Nebraska next year. Oh man, that would be nice. I don't think he leaves Kansas. I think you're more likely to get Jason Bean than Jalen Daniels. But would Jason Bean even be an upgrade? He's kind of that same gunslinger. <laughs> what he gives you, he will take right back.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he'd probably be a little bit of an upgrade just because you're not asking for a whole lot. But Well, yeah, there's that. I think he's – is he a senior, too, Bean? Oh, he might be. I guess I didn't look I into that before I threw
1: a name out there. But anyways, uh, Jesse, if Jalen Daniels of Kansas is the starting quarterback at Nebraska next year, Please find your way into the studio, and we will get a prize of some sort set up for you. Like clip this segment, <laughs> have it, keep it on your phone, make it your ringtone or your alarm every day. Because if Jalen Daniels is the starting quarterback for Nebraska next year, there's a big old prize on the line. Well, Props and, to you.
2: And 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 to to like the receiver discussion that we were having earlier. Would you not? You know, would you transfer out, or would you not want to come in? There's that. But I, I think the quarterback room where Nebraska is as an offense and where they are as a program, maybe Matt rule changes it. Maybe he's got a connection, but if Jalen down Daniels enters the transfer portal, he's got about 26 other spots. He'd probably pick before Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that he would, he, he could transfer to you know Florida state or whatever, whatever whoever the top programs are uh, that need a, uh, that need a quarterback. Um, that's where Nebraska's kind of landed in, in these, these last couple of years because where they are in a program is you're getting somebody near the 18th best quarterback in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you know the name, <laughs> they'll probably be shooting upward and transferring to a better program than where Nebraska is right now. Um, unless, again, there's just some sort of connection that Matt Rule or one of his staff members have with an outstanding quarterback. Maybe you can get it done. But um, the, to, to me, the expectation is... This offseason is to go out and get a starter in the portal, uh, but it's not necessarily for that guy to be uh, coming in with all conference expectations. It, we'll see if that
1: starter is more Tanner Lee or more Casey Thompson, yeah. just for a couple examples. We've talked a lot of offense here in our first hour of the show. We got defense to talk about. We're not neglecting that side of the ball, just a lot to talk about on the offensive side. We'll step aside when we get back. We'll talk about the defense. Did it play well enough? Did it need to do more? Who had a good game? What's the outlook for that that unit with two games to go in the regular season? Once again, Nebraska is still searching for win number six. Their first two cracks at it have been unsuccessful. We'll break down the Husker defense against Maryland. What our thoughts are on that performance today, and more when we get back to uh, the ticket postgame post game coverage.
0: Jay Foreman Post Game Show, sponsored by Tanner's Bar and Grill, Vinnie Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical on 93.7 The Ticket and
1: theticketfm.com. All right, all right, all right. We hear you. We'll talk defense. We'll do it. Austin Norman, Jake Bakoven, with you here. Uh, putting a bow on Nebraska and Maryland. We'll be with you till uh, right about 6 o'clock. That's when we'll, we'll wrap this up before. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it some more on uh, the various shows tomorrow as part of our Ticket Weekends lineup and then, of course, a full day, full, full, full day of reaction on Monday. So, Defense, Bach, how would you how would you assess this performance? The numbers say 384 total yards, uh, 283 through the air for Maryland, 101 on the ground. You will have 19 first downs. Maryland goes 6 of 12 on third down, 0 of 2 on fourth down, 5.8 yards per play. Nebraska's defense has eight tackles for loss for 28 yards and one sack for 11 yards. You have an interception and a forced fumble and recovery. Just, just general thoughts on the defense today.
2: I thought they played pretty darn well. I mean, this is a, a good passing offense that, that they went up against. Um, not as not as good as they what what I thought they would be on the ground game, and particularly the fourth quarter and on that winning drive. He was able to find some space, uh, which was maybe just you know because you were thinking so much about uh, defending against the pass. So that was a little bit disappointing. I mean, they, you got to remember, they had negative 47 yards rushing last week against Penn State. Um, Nebraska had them on at zero, I think, at halftime on the ground. And then they, they ended up with 101, uh, which is the second time Nebraska's given up over 100 yards on the ground. The other one being to Michigan. Um, so, you know, maybe doesn't look as great there. But I, as far as like holding down, uh, Talia Tala Gavoa, I thought they did a pretty good job there. Um, I don't believe he threw for any touchdowns. He did have the interception. Yeah, well, he, he, he did that, throw for the one yep. outside, which is again. I think there's Malcolm Hardesty got beat twice on that two play drive, and mm-hmm. so you know that was obviously a tough drive for him. And then the Tommy Hill defensive pass interference. I mean, the, the, which gave gave him 15 yards and, and led. Uh, he bit
1: on a double move before
2: it was on well. third. It was a third down, mm-hmm. um, and so that was that was really big. So I mean, there's there's always plays that you can kind of point to. They only finished with one sack. Uh, and that came from Buford out of the secondary. So you would like to see more pressure there. But at the same time, I mean, there's Ty Robinson had such a good game to me that I'm starting to worry about him going to the NFL early. <laughs> like he's he's really helping his stock out. If if they're able to bring him and Huttmacher back next year, uh, man, that's going to be quite a front going into their senior seasons. But I think overall the defense played really well. You only give up 13 points to a, an an offense that averages 30, and um, it, it held them in check for most of the game. Created three turnovers. Uh, we haven't seen that. You know, that's been a big complaint, I suppose, about Nebraska's defense, which has been good, not great, throughout mm-hmm. most of the most of the year. And why they say it's uh, Terrell always goes back to why it's not great is they're not creating turnovers. They did that today. Um, deserved to get a win today. Just you know it. Two fourth down stops. You know, there are always, there's going to be a few plays, a few categories that could have been better. But um, then the other thing, again, for Nebraska's defense and their offense, uh, but, you know, part of the defense, uh, just one penalty all game long. Again, hurt them really bad, uh, but that is quite impressive, especially against a team that's going to pass a lot. You don't have any Mm -hmm. defensive holdings, any pass interference except for the one. Uh, So pretty impressive stuff, I think, from the Blackshirts today. Played well enough to win the game, but...
1: Not in the biggest moment. Maryland is still 75 yards away from winning this game. I get it. Nebraska held on first and second down, had them in third and long. They take that shot. But again, if it comes down to that one play and that's what what swung everything for Maryland, that's a problem. Tommy Hill didn't get his head around. It was pass interference. Like, you know, by letter of the law. Absolutely yeah. pass interference. But you've done everything right that drive. Maryland's one play away from punting and giving you the ball back, probably your own 30-yard line, give or take, I would guess, and you have the pass interference penalty. Tough call, but it happens. Then respond. Make a play. They didn't at the end. You mentioned Hemby getting free. Bach, the end of Minnesota, Nebraska had to make one play, right? One play to push Minnesota out of range. They weren't able to do it. Michigan State last week, I get it, it was the offense that was, you know, really lagging last week. But the defense didn't create that big play to help the offense out or spark anything. Allowing 20 points, the offense should be able to put up 21. Shouldn't be a big ask. But the defense didn't make a big play last week against Michigan State to help that cause. A cut, The sack from Buford was big, but for as much love as we give the defense that played 100% well enough to win this game, once again, it didn't show up in the biggest moment. Like in 2021, you need one more possession, one more stop. Sure, the offense didn't always put the defense in the best spots. Sure, the offense needs to score more than 10 points. Absolutely. But I think we keep letting the defense off the hook to some degree because they just can't finish the deal, just like the offense. The offense will get right down the field and fumble or throw an interception at the goal line. The defense needed one more possession, one more play, and they weren't able to make it. If this is a group that, that wants that responsibility, that's excited to go out there and, and try to you know carry the team, put it on its back... I'm tired of hearing while well, they were in a bad spot make a play at the end of the game Maryland are still at midfield after the pass interference make a couple plays that's but, what it comes down to for me
2: it, yeah I, I I can see that but it, it's it's turn after after turnover after turnover Nebraska had three turnovers on their final possessions um and it was like you know so if you're asking like to make that play they did that they punched the ball out of himpie's hand as, as he was going in uh to score to give the the Maryland the score about midway through the fourth. Um, so I get it. Then you're going to ask them to do it one more time with with the time running out of the clock. They didn't get it done. Um, but again, a third and long. I mean, I, I I just I I can't blame them too much for only giving up 13 points, creating three turnovers, and having to make up for five turnovers from the offense. Yes, they're they're they could have made one more play, but they've made so many plays just to keep Nebraska in that game. And but it, then, it, then that's my point. Then what's one more? Right? Are they that spent that
1: they don't have one more in them? They can't cycle through enough guys to keep them fresh like has been their calling card all year to make that one more play, right? It, I just, they get so close on defense. And just as soon as I'm saying, I want to say this was a great elite defensive performance, there's that drive that Maryland, ha- that they drive down, they get the field goal. And it just seems so preventable, right? Like Hemby ran wild on that last drive. You've stopped the run all day. Maybe it's schematic and Maryland took advantage. But adjust, you know, in the middle of the drive. Maryland presents a run look. Do that, you know, get creative with blitzes again. You know, it didn't see a lot of that from Nebraska after the sack. Maybe it didn't get home. If you're a defensive lineman, take some pride. Find a way to make a play. I think Nebraska got Telly outside of the pocket quite a few times, but you got to be able to seal the deal. But at some point, I'm done with the narrative of, the defense you know there's just too much on its shoulder the defense asked for this you know maybe it didn't but that's their messaging is we want it we accept the challenge if you're telling me you accept the challenge it, you accept the opportunity you're excited to go out there no matter what the situation is then prove it make a play and end the game
2: yeah i i suppose we just have to disagree on that one because i mean i i get i get your your plea and it it's it's winning time right it's it's the opportunity to go out there and do it Um, and it certainly on that that final drive couple missed tackles on on Himby That could have changed the game. Uh, obviously, as we were stating earlier, the pass interference on Tommy Hill. He could have been third and long. Uh, that could have obviously changed the game, saved the game maybe for Nebraska. Uh, but I, I think they've played a heck of a game. I think Tony White's had a heck of a year. And, uh, and, and again, I, I think that they've got a lot to work with as far as rotating guys in and out. Uh, and you've got a few guys like where I was saying with Ty Robinson. David Wright had a heck of a game. He did. There are guys that are like coming along and, and having good. But you know, I was a little bit worried about this uh, this game as far as the pass defense because I think that front seven or front six, if you want to go with the three three five, more often than front seven, um, is the strength of this defense. It looks really good. The secondary, you know, it's it playing Big Ten football hasn't been tested all that much. I thought they did pretty good uh, for a, a Maryland team who's clearly passed first through the ball 40 times and did all of this without Quentin Newsome. You know, you wonder, uh, and we were talking about this off air, you wonder if Quentin Newsome was healthy, you know, maybe had he been matched up mm-hmm. on that guy, maybe Tommy Hill wouldn't have got that defensive pass interference, or maybe, you know, the hard song, you know, two play drive, or he gave up two passes for a touchdown. Um, uh, you know, maybe that would have been made the difference too, but you can only play with what you have. They weren't quite full strength and played a pretty good game. Um, just one play away.
1: Here's the final rationale for this take. And again, if you disagree, let me know. 402 YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, Twitter comments wide open for you. Tell me I'm an idiot. Tell me I'm being unfair. But let's look across the river. That is an elite defense that every time the offense doesn't make a play, steps up and gets the offense back on the field, creates a turnover, finds a way to score. That is an elite defense defense. Nebraska's defense is good, but Matt Rule, Tony White would tell you the defense can still play better, can still step up and make that. And I want those defenders to think that way too. They can say, yeah, we played a good game for this percentage of it, but can we do more to find one more play to make? Because I don't want to say it's, you know, coddling them, but it kind of feels like it to some degree. Oh, you played, you know, Oh, but the last drive was good. Or, oh, it's okay, Malcolm. You played a good good game except for those two. Or, oh, Tommy, you know, you made a nice tackle, but you got burned on pass interference. You know, for the most part, you were good. But it's okay. We can forgive that one drive. There's a lot on you. You're a college football player. Go out there and make a play. If you want to be taken as seriously as Iowa's defense, if you want to put yourself in that elite, game-changing conversation. Trust me, I get it. There is much more blame to go on the offense. I completely agree. The offense needs more improvement than the defense does. But let's not pretend like the defense is perfect. Let's not let them off the hook and say, even if it was a good enough performance to win the game most of the time, today it wasn't, in part because of the offense. But again, if I'm a college football player, I'm saying, what can I do to make one more play if I'm on that defensive unit?
2: Yeah, I, I think it too. I mean, it is, it, you, you do want to ask for more. It's not like they weren't going out on that final drive thinking, well, it doesn't really matter here. We, we did pretty good today. Um, and so, I mean, they they want to rise to that occasion. That is a difference, you know, in being one of the great defenses and being uh, one of the good defenses in the Big Ten. Nebraska is is probably a few plays short of changing a game and uh, in, in getting that final play that you need, or the interception return for a touchdown, or something like that. And again, that's asking a lot for what this this defense has to work with, but that's what. The philosophy is that's that's basically the game plan for Iowa. Their defense steps Mm -hmm. up to the occasion more often not to do that. And, and again, that's what amazes me and why I personally kind of like watching Iowa football is because you go into the game thinking they need points from the defense or special teams, and they know that, and they get it. Like it's, It's not like, well, one out of every four or five games, maybe you can they can finally get an interception return for a touchdown. It's like, that's part of the game plan mm-hmm. is you're going to need, you know, three or seven points from your, your, your special teams uh, or defense set you up that way. Uh, and it's just, it, it's amazing to watch Nebraska though. Again, then you're talking about a, you know, a guy, Phil Parker, that's been uh, with Kirk Ferentz forever. And, and a guy, in, you know, in a first, first year defense, again, you know, mm-hmm. maybe this is more excuses, but Tony white, probably not that far uh, as far along. So, Uh, I think the future is very bright for this defense. I think, you know, there's not a whole lot of seniors. Um, Again, if you can keep some of those guys that that might have decisions to make, um, you could really build off this season and really jumpstart this program with a defense moving forward. And I believe they will take that next step. Um, Hopefully for Nebraska, it's next week. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. (laughs) Maybe to save a bull eligibility, as we all know. Um, that comes down to beating either Wisconsin or Iowa, and you've lost, what, nine straight to Wisconsin and seven mm-hmm. out of eight to Iowa. So uh, they're going to have to solve the riddle uh, with a, with this defense maybe being finally stepping up and making a big play in one of those games. I don't want to say finally stepping up, but stepping mm-hmm. up and making that game-changing performance play that gets them from, hey, you guys played really good, came up short because of the offense, to, hey, you guys made that game pay- saving play, which saved mm-hmm. our season, got us to a bowl game. Forty six ten on the text line says,
1: I give our defense all the props for picking up the slack of the offense. While Iowa's offense isn't flashy, I don't imagine they stick their defense in bad positions because of turnovers. Have you watched Iowa football <laughs> over the last decade? They do stick their offense in bad positions. To be fair, their offense has only been bad for about four years. though. They, well, they used to have a decent running offense. It, right, but over the last four, yes, Iowa's offense has put its defense yeah. in plenty of bad positions, but either the offense comes through at the very end of the game, or here's a funny idea special teams, right? You know, we laugh about special teams in the brotherhood and Tory Taylor all-American, but like he changes games.
0: Yeah.
1: They get those kickoff and punt returns that change games. Cooper DeJean, you know, should have had one yeah. <laughs> against Minnesota arguably. So, if the offense isn't going to pick up the slack and the defense is going to be one play away, then you need a game changer on special teams. Like I'm not saying there's another Demorne Pearsonell out there necessarily, but Ethan Nation got a crack. He got six yards on a punt return for the second longest of Nebraska's season. <laughs> I get that the teams were kicking off with the wind at their back quite a bit. But if the wind is, you know, blowing into the face of the kicker, good, good field position. Someone on special teams step up and make a play. Maybe that's another determining factor that we haven't talked enough about and maybe why the Iowa comparison isn't apt. But yes, Iowa's offense has stuck its defense in plenty of bad positions. Yes, the defense, you know, hasn't been perfect for Iowa, but has, you know, gotten its way, railed its way out of more jams. And the defense and special teams find ways to, to, uh, you know, amplify and augment what the offense does or doesn't do.
2: Yeah, and, I, it, it, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot of value in comparing yourself to Iowa. Obviously, they're regionally, they can do a similar thing, but I don't think that's the goal, is to be Iowa. Now, defensively, the special team, the, di- the difference that they can make, I understand why the comparisons are there. Um, but uh, man, that game's going to be interesting as it comes down. I still, uh, I don't know if that Rutgers score's changed six to nothing. It, they're, but they're just such an outlier. I mean, I, I, I you look at them all the the fun statistics with with Iowa's like uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, teams are like a four and thirty seven Power Five teams are four and forty seven or something like that in the last uh, several years mm-hmm. um, when they have less than one hundred seventy total yards and all four wins are Iowa. Like I like, right, again, they've got it down to... Like, that's their thing going into a game is they're going to be trash on offense, and they're going to need the defense and the special teams to make those plays to get the the seven or ten points that they need to win the game. It's 12 nothing
1: Iowa right now with about nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Okay. Let's take a break. Let's highlight some of those positive defensive performances. You mentioned Ty Robinson. Let's get into him. Nash Hutmacher, a couple big plays, and maybe the, be- the best game of Javin Wright's career. We'll get into that as we continue here on 93.7 The Ticket's post-game coverage of Nebraska's 13-10 loss to Maryland. The holidays are drawing closer, and there's not many things better than getting the gift of...
0: Jay Foreman post-game show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar & Grill, Vinnie Kreekak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: We're back here on the ticket post game coverage. Maryland beats Nebraska, thirteen to ten. I'm Austin Norman. He is Jake Bachoven. Uh, Bach, let's circle back to Ty Robinson. The defensive line, I think, did a solid job of controlling the game, especially early on. Um, not a lot of pressure, only the one sack, like you noted, it came from uh, Marquise Buford on a delayed blitz. But Ty Robinson had one of the best games, one of the most impactful games of his career. Um, even with the, the shoulder being banged up, you could see it wrapped up in post game. You saw him kind of limp off the field jog off the field with his shoulder, just kind of hanging down, but he came back in, uh, didn't seem to bother him. But on the night, Ty Robinson, morning, I should say, afternoon, it's not a night game. Uh, Ty Robinson, seven tackles, two of them were solo, a tackle and a half for loss, two passes broken up, a quarterback hurry, and it was that hurry that was just inches away from being a sack that led to an interception by Javen Wright, who we'll talk about next. But what do you make of
2: Ty Robinson's performance today? Well, again, I mean, this is a guy that that played young at Nebraska, and uh, you know has had kind of had his his bumps and bruises along the way, but has is really turning into uh, maybe the best player on defense. I mean, I, I think he's probably kind of playing himself into that category. Nash Hutmacher is right there. Luke Reimer right there uh, consistently. Quentin Newsom maybe is is, is in that category. Um, that that'll be interesting when they do the end of the year awards to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But I think if Ty Robinson plays like he played today. Um, he will take that crown because I mean he had his you know you talk about a lineman that was bad I mean he might, might have led the team in pass breakups today I think they gave him credit for two mm-hmm. I think he seemed, seemed to me like he got his hand on three um, but he's just kind of always on the mix aggressive tackler again maybe. Uh, doesn't have the most sacks on the year. You know, there there are things that he could could improve on. Nebraska altogether doesn't. You know, could didn't get a whole lot of sacks today. Though on the year they've done pretty well. Uh, but uh, he's just he is really coming into his own. I think for a guy that you that we've all watched, kind of grown up and have to play young. Um, you know, we use that excuse a lot for the guys on the offensive line that, that they haven't developed in in the way that they needed to. And, And Ty Robinson, I think has developed into a guy that if, if he returns for his next season, Maybe I'm getting too excited about this one game. I just really liked it. And listening, again, I was I was helping out with Maryland Radio. Um, they, they're watching him. where They were very impressed. So that's a guy that's going to play on Sundays. And I believe he subbed out for the big, was it the Hemby or There was something um, that uh, that was very well noted in the radio broadcast that, hey, Robinson's out. They got to, you know, this is your chance to make an opportunity. That's how highly they saw of him just watching him today was that he was kind of the, the, the best player on defense. Maybe a full circle
1: moment coming for Ty Robinson next week. The first game I remember watching him was against Wisconsin um, on the road, and he didn't look out of his element as a, as a young player. Didn't make a lot of splash plays, but he wasn't getting pushed around by a, a really good Wisconsin offensive line. We'll see if he can make some plays up at Camp Randall next week. You mentioned the, the interception by Javon Wright. Just one of the, the many plays. He made eight tackles for him today. Really nice toe drag interception, and then a forced fumble. Where Hemby's up in the air, he comes right over top, manages to to strip that ball out. Really well done uh, start to finish by Javen Wright. I don't know if he's overtaken Isaac Gifford in the starting rover conversation, but you see the physical tools and some of the playmaking ability that make you think, yeah, that guy could have a future in football.
2: Yeah, it's, it's awesome to see him come along because he's a similar guy. I mean, he's been playing special teams uh, a lot, um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of... I don't want to say lost the Wisconsin game, but lost a guy out of the backfield last year. So it's, it'll definitely be a full circle moment for him. If if he can make the game winning play that we're asking for, maybe against Wisconsin, that would be nice. But um, it's, you know, he's definitely got a nose for the ball uh, and is a guy again, that, like you said, isn't necessarily playing, all the snaps he's kind of still on that second rotation you know they rotate a lot of guys so mm-hmm. he gets plenty of playing time but you think about it, a, a guy that moving forward is only getting better and you know we, we've been able to talk to his, his dad Toby Wright in the studio here and and you know with any young player you know you kind of get the frustrations of you know what am I not quite doing um, to be able to make that difference on the field and he was a difference maker today. Uh, obviously, like we said, with the one interception, uh, athletic interception to get his foot in. Uh, but even beyond that, like he was, he, he had a real nose for the ball uh, and and looks like a bright piece to, to the future uh, that if, if he is starting, there's no problem there. Uh, Nash Hutmucker on the defensive line had a big fourth down stop.
1: Maryland 0 for two on fourth downs, but big polar bear had a big stop there. Omar Brown, solid game, six tackles, a couple passes broken up. Also forced to fumble. Uh, I'm more and more impressed with Omar Brown in that safety position. He, he was good early in the year, kind of faded uh, to the background a little bit, but he popped out again today. And then Jamari Butler, only three tackles for him. Two of them were solo, but one and a half tackles for loss and in, uh, in, a, in a pass breakup, rather, for Jamari Butler. Nebraska can always use more contributions out of that jack position. I mentioned in pregame, Jamari Butler, step up. Where have you been? He made a, a big impact there in the middle of the season uh, had a couple quiet games. It was good to see him make a couple big plays for Nebraska in this one.
2: Yeah, I was say a tackle and a, one and a half tackles for loss, that's pretty good. And I also thought, you know, his uh, his linebacker brothers, Luke Reimer um and uh, Nick Henrich also had s- solid games. These aren't mm-hmm. this isn't uh, you know, a run heavy team where you're going to stack up a lot of tackles, uh, but at times the pressure from each of them uh, caused uh, Leah Talia to, to get out of the pocket. Uh, and sometimes make plays <laughs> because he is that <laughs> type of quarterback, but really to put pressure on him, um, I thought they did a pretty good job there. And and again, that's it, it's it's good to mention all these names and name drop all these guys because it, it takes takes an entire defense. Um and, and for the most part that entire defense played well all game long um and and really is coming on. Again, I I think it's it's just kind of fun to watch these guys evolve and, and become the maybe the players that they, that they want to be, you know, as younger mm-hmm. guys, but more, more kind of to what I'm kind of thinking is, you know, early in the season, you could tell this defense was good, but it was hard to put like a, a finger on it. It was like, all right, well, who's going to be the leader of the defense? Who's going to be guys that can contend for all big content contention guys that when an opposing team plays them, you know, you can kind of get that other coach's boat where it's like, man, that guy was kind of tough and really messed up our game plan there. And I think there are a few guys that are rising to that level um, to the you know to the point where you know early on in this season it's kind of like yeah they're good but they're a no name defense um, if they can get a lot a few of these guys to return I think you're going to get some preseason recognition from some from some of these black shirts
1: you sure will um, Nebraska as a defense came into the day allowing a 34.8 percent conversion rate on third downs Maryland played itself out of more than its fair share of third down conversions with 10 penalties for 92 yards. Put themselves behind the sticks a lot. But again, in a a way that Nebraska could help shut the door on some more possessions. I think of Maryland's six third down convert conversions, at least three of them were on third and seven or more, if not four of them. Nebraska let Maryland off the hook a couple times, which I think makes it even more frustrating. Um that guys were sometimes in positions to make a play, and those that those long third downs that for as solid as open field tackling was, in those moments to get off the field, it wasn't great. Maybe credit Maryland for good scheme on, on one or two of those. But that's another thing that I think makes this so frustrating, is that Nebraska opponents don't get penalized 10 times for 92 yards. Maryland was wildly undisciplined. It took itself out of some really advantageous spots where you felt they had some advantage, they were on the move, or they just got themselves way far behind the change, or even gave Nebraska extra yards with some extra curriculars. Uh, just another thing that we don't see out of Nebraska opponents which again is a little frustrating.
2: Well, and, and you know again too the, the 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 holding that that wiped away a Harper mm-hmm. interception on a day where you already had six to five turnovers that would have been six. Um so the, you know it, but it that was that was kind of the frustration again working with the Maryland guys was like they felt like they were the better team and they were giving it away with all those penalties. Also mentioned home cooking a little mm-hmm. bit because Nebraska didn't have any penalties against them. But again, it was like you know maybe they didn't know, but Nebraska didn't have any penalties against them on the road for against Michigan week. State. Mm-hmm. And you know, so as that continues, I think that that's you know, and I, I don't know. Maybe there will be a game where it just kind of all piles on Nebraska and they they get their ten penalty game. But I think that that is something to to look at. That's a, that's mighty impressive for two games, one penalty. Um, somehow coming out zero and two out of that uh, is not ideal. But it does kind of show you where Nebraska is to a degree. There's a lot of different ways to kind of measure it. Um, but that's a team that's getting better. We talk about an undisciplined being an undisciplined team. And in one category, you're going to have turnovers, and that's going to to speak to how undisciplined a team is. Um, and Nebraska's leading the nation in those categories in, in a bad way. Um, but... It would be a lot more frustrating if you were getting six or seven penalties with, you know, 70 yards of penalty Mm -hmm. yardage every game that would really put Nebraska out of out of contention in a few of these close games. Um, So that's one thing I think is very impressive for Matt Rule and staff as we look at just how disciplined a team is, Uh, you know, this early in a tenure, a team that, you know, under Scott Frost for a long time, that was a big part of the complaints is that they've seemed to to be playing some pretty clean football. Now, mm-hmm. they got a long ways to go as, as far as play, you know, playing turnover-free football, but clean football, uh, they, they, they've got a pretty good go at it the last couple of weeks.
1: If you've got any final thoughts on Nebraska and Maryland, let us know, 402-464-5685. That is the sarder Heyman text line. Whether you are driving in your car, uh, listening on the free app for your phone, or you're sitting at home on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter, also want to thank Allo Channel 951. Thank Allo for giving us that channel. Give us your final thoughts here on Nebraska and Maryland. We'll go over those when we get back. Maybe take a look at the national scoreboard as well. He's Bach. I'm Austin. We'll wrap up our post game coverage after this. Jay Foreman Postgame Show. Sponsored by Tanner's Bar & Grill,
0: Vinny Krikak, Elway Power Sports of Lincoln, and Action Plumbing, Heating, AC, and Electrical. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: We'll wrap up post-game coverage here. Nebraska loses to Maryland 13-10. Huskers still searching for that elusive sixth win. Austin Norman and Jake Bokovan with you here. Let's just take a quick spin around the Big Ten. Bok, we'll start with the the headlining game of the day, a top-10 matchup in Happy Valley between Michigan and Penn State. Going to pour some gas on the fire for Nebraska fans when they hear this. Michigan, in the second half, ran the ball 32 consecutive mm. plays, 32 straight plays. Michigan runs the ball. Nebraska fans look to Happy Valley with a sense
2: of longing. <laughs> That's right. That's a, I, I still think like Michigan, we talk about the physicality and the long-term like build and vision of Nebraska. I still think it's on the right track because I think they're trying to mirror Michigan rather than Ohio State. All these teams <laughs> want to out Ohio State what Ohio state does best with all their best players and the flashy offenses. I think the physicality is the best way to go. I think Michigan's the best program uh, to emulate uh, maybe outside of some of their uh, sideline stuff.
1: (laughs) Uh, The other two games that have gone final in the big 10 outside of Maryland and Nebraska, Illinois and Indiana play the least big 10 game in a long time. Illinois storms back from a deficit 48 to 45, the fight Mm -hmm. in Illini take down Indiana they have a 500-yard passer uh, in John Paddock, 507 yards with four touchdowns. Isaiah Williams, nine catches, 200 yards, two touchdowns. Reggie Love, the third, 24 carries for 140 yards. Illinois, not not in great position in the Big Ten West, but they're five and five, three and four in the conference, which is the same as Nebraska, five and five, three and four yeah. in the conference, which is the same. As Northwestern, ah. which is the same as Wisconsin, after the Wildcats go to Camp Randall, control that game from start to finish. Twenty-four to ten, Northwestern beats Wisconsin on the road. Nebraska hasn't won in Camp Randall. If you, you're looking for Nebraska to get win number six, maybe it's not as far-fetched in happening a week from today as it might have
2: seemed before. No, I mean I think this is the, the the game to do it. To be honest with you, because I think Iowa, uh, d- its defense is going to be licking their chops to play Nebraska's offense. Um, you know, and anything can happen against a team that doesn't score all that much like Iowa. But I think the Wisconsin game is is very much out there for the taking. Now, Trenton Mordecai did come back, did mm-hmm. not help. Uh, only went thirty one of forty five uh, for two hundred fifty five yards, added twenty five yards on the ground. No touchdowns, no picks. But this is, an in, this is a Wisconsin team that's now reeling. They've lost four out of five, including three in a row. The recipe for a reeling Big Ten team, unfortunately, has been Nebraska. Nebraska. Um, so a little bit of worry there. But, I mean, it, we always talk about things in sports and stories lining up. How about uh, a Nebraska finally getting to bowl eligibility by having to beat the team that, that they could not beat? for all these years. You just feel a little bit better about it if Nebraska was beating a good Wisconsin team. I don't think that's the case necessarily in this, but mm-hmm. there are no good teams in the Big Ten West. They're just teams. That
1: is true. We had a hashtag significant to some watch in Iowa City. Iowa had first and goal with a minute and a half to go um, inside the Rutgers 10. They decide to kneel it out. 22 oh. to nothing, Iowa. So the under, it <laughs> hits. Twenty-two nothing Iowa beats Rutgers. Uh, one game in progress right now: Purdue and Minnesota. Again, a very anti-Big Ten game here. Fourteen to ten after the first quarter. Twenty-eight to twenty at half. Purdue led, and then the Boilermakers have poured it on. It is forty-nine to twenty-three Purdue right now with a loss. Guess what Minnesota's record would drop to? Sounds like
2: uh, I'm going to guess five and five and three and four in the Big Ten. Bach you nailed it. Good <laughs> job. That's where five out of the seven teams will be here in a, in a few uh, a few minutes when that game goes final. Are going to be five and five and three and four in the Big Ten. And if you're following along at home, that means that if Iowa beats Illinois next week, they will clinch the Big Ten West. If not, then maybe Nebraska still has a chance to have to look at all the breakdown. Um, but if they lose to Illinois and then Nebraska beats Iowa, they'd have the to head-to-head there. you have to see how some of those other things play out. But uh, the Big Ten West looks like it's it's probably going to land in Iowa's lap this year.
1: It sure is. So let's take a quick spin around the rest of the top 25 here in our last couple minutes. Florida State only up a touchdown on Miami. It's 27-20 to 20 about halfway through the fourth quarter out there. Washington looking to put the finishing touches uh, on a win over Utah. It's 35-28 dogs right now. They've got second and five at the Utah 8 with about two minutes to go. Missouri, former Big 8, former Big 12 foe all over Tennessee who had beat Missouri by about 40 points the last two years. But it's number 14 Missouri holding serve at home and then some
2: 36-7 to Missouri over Ooh. Tennessee, Bach. Uh, still surprising big year from Eli Drinkowitz who is kind of coming in uh, needing a big year. Sure was. Alabama
1: rolls over Kentucky, forty nine to twenty one. How about this out of the Big Twelve? Texas Tech
2: beats Kansas. Mm. You know what it was? Mahomes' magic. He was in attendance today. Oh, it could be um, much needed win there for Coach McGuire. They, Texas Tech's had a, a struggling year. Kind of frustrating. I, I, I kind of like Kansas football just because they don't have a whole lot, um, <laughs> and they finally get into the top. They're sixteenth in the, mm-hmm. in the uh, playoff rankings, and uh, we'll see them fade.
1: Elsewhere in the sunflower state, Kansas State has no issues with Baylor, fifty-nine to seven. The Wildcats roll over the Bears. UCF gets its second Big 12 win one week after Bedlam number 15. Oklahoma State poops the bed, forty-five
2: to three. UCF over Oklahoma State at the bounce house. That is surprising too, because the big the new Big 12 teams have struggled to beat the old Big 12 teams this mm-hmm. year. Uh, and uh, yeah, Oklahoma State, the nation's leading rusher. I mean, I have to look into what happened there.
1: Uh, I have an Oklahoma State friend who said they look wildly unprepared for the rain, the little drizzle happening in South Florida. Uh, he's not very happy with Gundy, who, luckily for him, did just enough to keep his job with the big yeah. bedlam win.
0: Yeah.
1: Else, two other top 25 games to get to Tulane continues its high wire act, 24 to 22. Uh, the the Green Wave beat the Golden Hurricane uh, that game in Tulane, and here's the the balm for you Husker fans. We saved it to the end for a reason. Arizona. Struggled in the first half, but they come back and they beat Colorado on a walk-off 24-yard field goal in Boulder, 34 to 31. The Wildcats take down the buffalos so that'll put a bow on our post-game coverage here at 93.7. The ticket. It's Maryland beating Nebraska, 13 to 10. The Terps are bowl eligible. Huskers have two more cracks at it. They go to Camp Randall next week. They welcome Iowa then on Black Friday. We'll be here. We'll tell you all about it as we move forward. Plenty more reaction to come tomorrow as part of the Ticket Weekend. Plenty more for you to uh, hear from us as we break down Nebraska and Maryland on Monday. For Bach and Ben, I'm Austin. We appreciate you hanging out with us all day. Big thanks to Sardar Heyman and Aloe for all they do for the station in the A1 Automotive Ticket Tailgate pregame show. For everyone, I'm Austin. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.